everyone, and welcome to the Transform Your Confidence Show. This is a show about holistic leadership and advocacy, and I'm your host, Raj Gurn. Here's a bit about me. I'm a longtime serial entrepreneur who specializes in mindset, branding, media, communications, and marketing, and I firmly believe that great leadership and advocacy is predicated on the mission that everyone must benefit across the entire food chain. I'm an award-winning C-suite entrepreneur who has worked in the media and event space for the past 20 years with many Fortune 500, celebrity, and thought leader clients from around the world. At this point in my life, I seek to share my many insights and resources with anyone who wants to learn about holistic leadership and advocacy in a newly launched online community at the openchessconfidenceacademy.com where I've mandated my entire organization to provide products and services that center around knowledge, action and accountability. My goal with this show is to pull back the curtain, I mean way back, to bring you insider knowledge and resources on how today's change makers are leading with intention and creating meaningful environments that serve everyone. I also want to help you reimagine what your life could be if you had a constant view from the top of the mountain. I believe that in order to get there and stay there, you need to learn from those who have a constant and unobstructed view of Nirvana. These are not just the usual suspects, but the ones that sit in the middle of the volcano as the lava explodes through the top of the mountain. They are the crazy ones who change the world, and they are the ones that I want you to meet. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to yet another exciting episode of the Transform Your Confidence Show. You know that I love, love, love hanging out with you each and every week and sharing insights from my guests who hail from all walks of life, experiences and expertise. I also really appreciate the time that we spend together to learn, action and hold space for accountability each week by tuning in for insights, tips and resources from behind the velvet rope where today's leaders, movers and shakers and disruptors share their nuggets of wisdom and hopefully help you get to the same place much faster than it took them to get there because that's the goal of this show, right guys? We continue this week's theme of branding and marketing with this part two of a two-part series entitled, Why Everyone Needs to Marry Their Mission with Their Brand Identity. My guest is the founder of Brandwise Media and personal branding expert, Kate Ladon, and here's a bit about her. She specializes in building executive and author-driven personal brands using content marketing strategies through social media. She has authored the book, The Attraction Magnet, The Seven Insider Secrets the World's Biggest Brands Use to Attract Customers Who Can't Wait to Buy From Them. Kate's regularly brought in by media to talk about celebrity and corporate brands, and her company, Brandwise Media, based out of New York, has developed one of the first online courses centered around LinkedIn called the Influencer Academy, which teaches executives how to position themselves as thought leaders in their respective spaces. Here's what to expect in part two of our conversation. We talk about the two most common types of branding, personality and company, and how to decipher the differences. We break down why personal branding has become synonymous with career success today, 
what the top three reasons are for businesses to incorporate brand strategy, what the correlation is between a strong brand presence and consumer trust, how to mitigate negative brand presence, what to look for when hiring a brand expert, and what the secret is of true business success when branding is at its best. Please welcome Kate Ladon. Let's just take a couple of the most common forms of, you know, kind of silos or pillars, um, for want of a better word, and, mm. and deep dive that a little bit. So you, specifically, I'm talking about, and you talked about it just in your previous answer, the personality brand and the mm -hmm. company brand. So let's let's mm. let's talk a little bit about that since those are the areas that people generally go into the branding arena and and, and that exercise. What are the differences that mm. need to be considered when you're looking at a personality brand versus a company brand? It's really funny because I would argue fundamentally not a lot. Okay. But but the irony here is the more successful a corporate brand, the more it reflects a person, right? You feel like a brand is your friend. I feel like I could hang out with this brand. It says something about me. And so oftentimes what you're trying to achieve in corporate branding is what comes naturally to a personal brand. What are your values? Who are you in the world? What's your personality? What's your style? You know, and then corporations try and document this. So as they scale, nothing gets lost in their growth. So we want to make sure we have the same personality and the same style and, you know, the same values, even as we grow and add new people and new products. Ironically, then people do this quite naturally in their daily lives. You have a certain style, the way you get dressed. You certainly talk the same way. You have the same circle of friends. You have the same values. Corporations can seem to easily document these things, but not live them. Whereas people live them quite easily, but don't document them. And so a lot of our challenge with personal brands is if we're going to turn you into a big sensation as a personal brand, we need to document what makes you you so we can be very thoughtful about this. And so we actually take people through the same exercise we take corporations through. What are your leading values? What is your personality? Who is it specifically you're trying to help, which differs from somebody in the organization? If you are the CFO of the organization, your personal brand is rooted around making sure that shareholders are getting what they need and getting accurate information. But if you are the chief HR officer, your core audience is the employees of the company. And so again, a lot of the same frameworks are used who are you trying to serve what's their biggest challenge how do you uniquely help them do that but that varies internally to an organization's personal brands because they have different audiences depending on who they are in the company but the big thing you want to keep in mind is a personal brand is a part of a corporate brand and yet can exist entirely independently if Elon Musk sells Tesla tomorrow, that doesn't define him because he's done a really good job documenting his brand as a renegade, somebody who, you know, goes against the grain, who pushes things forward. That naturally informs all the businesses he starts, SpaceX, Tesla, these things. You can see how him as the founder, just like when you have children, you influence that. But 
if any of those brands or corporate brands go away, he's still going to be who he's going to be. And you can see some of his personality traits into the culture and the way that those brands behave. So why would you say that matters, um, Kate? I mean, personal branding has become synonymous with career success. You've just given the, you know, the perfect example for that. Why does that matter for everyone to consider today? Is it because mm. we all live in this kind of 3D world? Like, give me your thoughts around that. I think it depends on the position. So if you're a CEO, personal branding 100% matters because consumers are actually more likely, I think with something like 77% more likely to buy from a product whose founder is online and has a strong personal brand. So it's incredibly important if you're trying to build a company, build a culture that your brand is out there and it's not a selfish pursuit. I think a lot of founders are afraid to have a personal brand because they think it's going to eclipse their employees or eclipse the corporate brand strategy. When in reality, you'll always see brand equity going back to that term correlate to a CEO's brand equity. So if you're trending up on your personal brand as a CEO, the company's brand equity is, is churning up. And you can see this in a number of different examples anecdotally. Sarah Blakely and Spanx being a great one. She is now a very visible personal brand. She makes guest appearances on Shark Tank. The company performs very well. People link those two things together. You can, again, look at that as far as Elon Musk and any of his companies. Anybody that has a strong personal brand presence, you're likely going to see that their corporation's brand presence is cordively related in a positive manner. So there's that. Now, if you are not the owner of a company, but you're trying to build a personal brand, there's a variety of reasons you would do this. Maybe you want to get board seats and positions. You want to make yourself extremely marketable and hold leverage for getting other positions. I was speaking with a, um, a woman a few weeks ago, and she was talking about building her personal brand. And she said, you know, I'm getting ready to sell my company. And so long my brand because I haven't built one has just been the company. And now I don't have any leverage if I want to start the next thing or really lobby for somebody to pay me more or something like that. So make no bones about it. When you're at the negotiating table for a position, your network can be leveraged as currency. I would love to hire somebody who had 20,000 followers who are really invested in them and might be inclined to pay them a little more because I know that they could steer those 20,000 people to my, my corporation and my brand. So it's a point of leverage and a point of freedom. You get to control the narrative of who you are versus anybody else doing that for you. And in the year 2021, we've never had, for better or for worse, more opportunities and tools at our fingertips to help steer that narrative. Absolutely. So based on everything that, you know, we've discussed so far, Kate, what would you say are the top three reasons that any form of business, whether it's a personality brand or all the way up to multinationals and everything in between, you know, why would they need to incorporate brand strategy? Like top three reasons. Mm -hmm. Well, you're definitely going to see higher conversions, whatever that means to you. If you want to hire more people, get clear about your brand. If you want more people to buy your products, get clear about your brand. Because the more you understand how you're helping them and what they're truly, truly struggling with, what's keeping them up at night that you can help, 
you're going to win the hearts and minds of people, which back to where we started is often the traditional definition of branding, having somebody have a positive, hopefully feeling about your brand or a certain set determined feeling about your brand um, that you want to influence. So that's number one, right off the basis. Number two, it just makes it easier to grow. If you are, again, a human being and you don't have DNA mapped out, anytime you're growing, you're going to look vastly different than you did even a few minutes ago. And so it's the thing that helps you grow in the right direction. It's almost your roadmap and your blueprint for making sure your company is growing in a way that is on target and consistent with how you pictured it. And number three, it's going to inform everything else. And that can be part of number two in terms of growing, right? But again, you're going to realize that you, you're going to save a lot of money because you're not going to spend money on marketing initiatives that actually aren't in service of the people you're trying to reach. And you can charge a lot more. If you have high brand equity, people are willing to pay more for your products and services. We all understand why people are willing to throw down for something like a BMW or a Mercedes um, and do that and even aspire to do that or overextend themselves if they don't have the money because there's a certain brand personality and feeling that those companies try to evoke in people. So top three reasons, you want to make sure that you're consistent as you grow, keeps everything succinct, it helps you save money, it helps more conversions, and it helps you make a lot more in terms of value in your organization. Absolutely. And that goes for people too. Anything I just shared is as applicable to a personal brand as it is to a corporate brand. It will help you grow in the right direction in your career. It will help save you time for projects you don't want to work on. It will help you increase value and fulfillment with the projects you do want to work on. It'll help conversions, whether that is colleagues, friends, you know, people you want to service, clients. It doesn't matter if we're talking a person, a product, a corporation. Branding is going to solve all three of those things for you. So let me ask you this then, Kate. What's the correlation between branding and trust? Because we all know that mm. some, someone or something with a brand, um, you know, especially if it's a strong positive brand, tends to have more people flock to it, tends to have more people wanting it. You just finished, you know, talking about that a little bit from the perspective of wanting a Mercedes or a BMW. What, mm -hmm. is, it, what is that correlation between branding and trust? So if you think of the fact that the highest conversion rate would always be through a friend or referral, right? This is why we all check reviews online to see what other people think because we trust people more than we trust corporations. It kind of goes back to what I was saying before. The more you can personify your brand and get it to the point where it imbues feelings like friendship or somebody that you really know then you're going to convert more people. So everybody wants to do business, business with other people they know, like, and trust. And if we break that down in terms of the brand components we were talking about, no, that's impressions. How much do people see you? Well, 
if you know who you're trying to serve, you can show up where they are to create those brand impressions. Like, that would be shared values. Again, I like this brand because it's valuing the same things I do. I use an Apple computer, let's say, because I value simplicity and creativity. Apple also values those two things. So I'm going to like that brand more. And then trust, when you build up the know and the like, and you make good on those commitments to them, people are going to have positive experiences. And then all of a sudden, you don't need somebody they know to refer you. You almost start thinking of that brand like you would a friend, and you're less likely to opine on whether I should or should not purchase from it. Absolutely. So let me ask you this then. If a company has a proof of concept, Mm -hmm. has excellent quality products and services, great customer um, service and acquisition Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. you know, loyalty um, in place, Mm -hmm. you know, would they still need a brand strategy? Like if all Mm -hmm. of these ducks are already in a row? I would say if all those ducks are already in a row, it's almost impossible they didn't have a brand strategy. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Why did I think you were going to say that? (laughs) Because this is the thing, right? Like customer service, that is 100% a reflection of an organization's values. If an organization values, let's say, cost effectiveness or value, then they may, or, you know, something to that degree, they may be less likely to really invest in customer service. It doesn't matter. We're a numbers-based business. We're What we value at the end of the day is money. So churn and burn people, it doesn't matter. We're in it for profit. And listen, there's businesses that operate like that, for sure. I'm not even saying that's necessarily a bad thing. Just be clear on that's your thing. Mm-hmm. Don't try and say that customer service is your thing and then all of your actions as a corporation go against that. We were working with an author and I was reading her book. She's brilliant. She owns this uh, company called Grokker. And um, it's an employee well-being platform for global workforces. And in her book, it pointed out that Enron, so Enron, the company that completely collapsed and a lot of their corporate um, executives went to jail (laughs) because of how bad that organization was had a value of integrity, i.e. do the right thing and be ethical. Now, everything they did clearly flew in the face of integrity. So this is what you don't want to do. And again, a lot of brands do. Here's our values. Here's our mission. Here's our vision. We have it all down on this wonderful webpage of our company called About Us and Our Philosophy. And yet we never make sure that on a daily basis, we're calling those up and living by those things. And then you erode distrust of a consumer because you can't just say you're in it for something anymore. People, especially because of the internet and social media, have way more accessibility to say, no, I saw a video on Instagram saying that you have terrible customer service. I read your reviews on Google. It's not great. You can't just project that anymore with all the media that's available. People will tell the truth about your brand. So if a company has a great proof of concept, it's probably because they identified who they want to help, saw the core breakdowns that audience was dealing with, and created a product to actually solve for those things, whether they did it consciously or not. If they are making a lot of sales and they're backing that with great customer service, whether they documented it or not, they, they might have been a happy accident, but at some point they're going to if they keep scaling. It's because their values are 
excellence, um, integrity, support, freedom, things that would really create a great customer experience. So the question to go back to it is if you have all these things, do you need a brand? You probably have one, even if you don't realize it, because it's a small enough company that people just know they're like drinking the collective Kool-Aid, but nobody has really written down the recipe to the Kool-Aid. Once that company grows and grows very quickly, they're going to need to put the recipe to the Kool-Aid somewhere because more and more people are going to have to start making it and drinking it. And that's where your brand strategy, documenting all that stuff comes into play. If you're doing it really well, you probably are doing branding in spite of yourself, but you need to take the next step and then write it down. So I just want to pick up on um, the story that you told regarding Enron. Yeah. What, what are the negatives of bad brand identity that people need to keep in mind when building out their strategy? I mean, you, you mentioned one, um, not doing what you say that you'll do. So that mm -hmm. obviously that's one. Are there any mm -hmm. others that people need to kind of keep top of mind when they're looking to maybe, you know, start being conscious of what their brand identity is? Maybe they're mm -hmm. reevaluating it because they're starting to go in a different direction, or maybe mm -hmm. there's thoughts coming from their consumer, from the public that kind of incites their need to revisit, you know, what their value system is. Like mm. what, what could some of the negatives be that people- That kind of point you to, I need to reassess this. Yes. If you're losing customers, for sure. Mm -hmm. Before that or after that, but usually before in my experience, if you're losing employees, 100%. If you're not hiring the right type of people, you're hiring and you're hiring. You're like, gee, we really just can't seem to get the right fit. That's a big, big red flag right there that you don't have values documented or the brand clearly mapped out. So um, attrition of employees, um, customers, things like that are usually the telltale signs. The less glaring ones, right? You're losing money and losing people that I often see are you're finding it confusing yourself to figure out how to talk about the product. Nobody can clearly articulate what the value parts are. You walk down the hall and grab a cup of coffee when we're all out back into the real world here soon. And you ask one of your teammates, Hey, what are our top five leading values? And they can't say it or, Hey, what, what is it that we do? And why is it that we do it so well? And you get six different answers you need to reinvest in your brand strategy. And then you might see that there's target market shifting. Like, again, some of the net promoter or the survey answers are coming back different from where you intended them. But if you can get ahead of it, if you can beat the attrition of your clients or employees, which is the biggest red flag you need to reinvest or relook at your brand strategy by collecting that data from both internal and external stakeholders, the biggest thing I think that I experienced from having a well-documented brand strategy is clarity. And if you can't quickly say, to go back to the Volvo example, what is it our brand means to you? And not everybody's same answer is safety, then you should get even sharper with your brand strategy. Clarity wins the day. You yeah. need it internally. You need it externally. You need it for yourself. And sometimes with personal branding, that's the hardest angle of it to get. I can't tell you how many times an executive has hired us to work on their personal brand. And we say, what is the biggest point of value you've gotten from our engagement? And they say, I just finally know who I am and what I stand for. And I know I was doing it, but I couldn't point to it or articulate it. 
Wow, that's so powerful. You know, that, that kind of warrants me coming back to our audience and, you know, letting them know how to get hold of you. Kate, for anyone that's just joining us midstream, um, how can they get a hold of you? <laughs> Always LinkedIn and brandwisemedia.com. Wonderful. So say you have gotten yourself into a bit of a pickle with your brand and you've gotten kind of negative press or negative um you know thoughts from people um what can you do what are a couple of things that people should be looking at immediately mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um well a pr agent would maybe have a different answer but from a brand perspective i would be honest for sure if you start to get negative feedback um and authentically honest. I think in the day and age we're in, there's performative apologies. We all know this. We see it nearly every day from some celebrity who's gotten themselves in trouble. Um, but the ones I would say that really, really actually mean something is ownership, identifying the breakdown, and identifying the impact of that breakdown on the people that you are tr were trying to help or who had been at the effect of that breakdown. And so on a corporate level, if that is, you know, you were always valued for customer service and then, you know, your company grew so fast and customer service is totally flew out the window and you can't seem to get your arms around it and you're getting a lot of negative feedback online, Google reviews, Yelp, whatever about negative customer service. I think the best thing you can do is say, you know, Customer service has always been a core value of this organization. As we have grown, it's become clear to us that we have not implemented the right training practices or, you know, surveys and assessments to make sure that that pivotal thing is staying pivotal to our foundation. For the people that this impacted, we realize that this means your service wasn't performed on time. You've also often seen breakdowns. We're committed to doing better. Here's how we're going to compensate you and here's how we plan to do better but then you actually have to do better and that means going back to the brand strategy of what is the problem we're trying to solve for people how do we do it really well and what are the values and then actually collect a lot of data and monitor that in your organization i think those are going to be really helpful in corrective brand action Absolutely. So for those people who are just starting out in the branding game, so whether mm -hmm. they've been around for a while and now they are consciously looking at strategy or whether it's someone just starting out so they know that brand, they know that brand strategy is important, what would you say to them um, in terms of the order of what, how they should do things from a branding perspective? Mm -hmm. I mean, I personally think they just need to hire you. So anyone that can't hire you, what are, mm -hmm. you know, how do they need to kind of get their head around the order of things? I know mm, that's a I'd big all... question because it depends on where they're at, right? And what they're yeah, well, at. maybe. Every time we work with people, it's go back to your audience. Like we have a very, very in-depth process of who are you trying to help? Where do they live? Do they have kids? What do they aspire to do? What keeps them up at night? Write a journal entry from their perspective. I would always say to start with the end in mind, which is who is it that wants to engage with our brand? Then, you know, what challenge or problem that's often going to come up through doing that work are we trying to solve for them? 
And then how do we do it uniquely? And that's often an outcome of your values, right? If we really value creativity, we might deliver some solutions they wouldn't find elsewhere. Um, but always, always, always the, and I know I said it at the very top of the podcast, 90% of your brand work will be made clear to you if you start with the people you're trying to help from the very beginning because the brand will start unveiling itself to you. What can't they stand about your competition? Where do they feel stuck, frustrated, or consistently let down? As you begin to answer these really uh, you know, thought-provoking questions about getting radically curious of your audience, you're going to see what products and features they're going to value. You're going to see how they want you to communicate with them. And that's going to inform things like your tone and your personality. So first and foremost, and again and again and again, always come back to the who. You know, Simon Sinek, he uh, has like that wildly viral idea of uh, start with why. I think I'm going to write a book called No, Start With Who. <laughs> <laughs> you should. I should. Yes. It came to me. I'll let you know. I'll shop it around and see if any publisher wants to pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And it kind of beautifully full circles our conversation, Kate. We, you started with, with this and now we're kind of closing things out with this. So let me ask you this. When hiring a branding expert like yourself, what is the criteria that they should be considering to ensure that they are getting, you know, they're, they're making the decision for the right reasons? What do, they, what do people need to know? It's a really good question. I would, of course, start with, have you worked with other people in my industry before? I don't think that's always really necessary if you have a good brand strategist. Um, but it certainly can't hurt. Let's say you're a coach. You want to understand that people have dealt with the nuances of that before. You want to ask them what their methodology to branding is. If they can't map out their process to branding, that's going to be a challenge. And I'm not going to be feeling optimistic about where your investment is going. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest things I learned from reading the book Traction by Gina Wickman, which I encourage everybody to read if you're starting or growing a business, is a documented process to how you do what you do so well. And I feel like a lot of us marketers, and I've certainly been guilty about it, so I, this is not me talking down on my fellow colleagues in the industry. Oh, it's an art, it's not a science. Sure, but there's a process to get there and there's a framework to get there. And you need to be able to define how it is you're going to achieve the outcome um, right off the bat. If you can't do for yourself what you report to do for others, that's going to be a problem. So I would also look at their brand, you know, Share with me, please, your mission and vision and values. But you definitely, if somebody is not telling you they're going to help you get clarity around your target audience, your mission, your vision, your values, and your process, then you know from the bat that it may be an engagement you shouldn't be seriously considering. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. It just warrants like a whole other show, Kate. So many more <laughs> questions I have for you. Oh, let's, let's do that show. Like, we can do I, that one. <laughs> I think we're, de we're definitely going to do that because I'm not going to let you go that easily. Yeah. I'm definitely going to bring you back. But I want to ask you, um, any final thoughts that you want to leave the audience with that perhaps mm -hmm. maybe we haven't touched upon, which I know there's a lot, but how mm -hmm. would you maybe encapsulate what we talked about and leave them with something? 
to help us close this off? There is a quote from a gentleman that is um, <laughs> slipping my mind, his name, but the quote is not. I gave a talk about branding to the United States Air Force around this time last year. It was right before everything shut down for the quarantine. And I closed out the presentation after finding a quote that said, to command is to serve, nothing more, nothing less. And I always tell people, to brand is to serve, nothing more, nothing less. Don't get caught up in me, me, me. At the end of the day, and this can really be like a commentary on life, but it's true because brands are reflections of humans. It's so much more fulfilling and powerful to be in service to others than it is to be, you know, fully just absorbed in yourself. So to brand is to serve. You always want to start from a selfless perspective. And if you do that, I guarantee you, you're going to outperform so much of your competition who is not approaching it from a place of selflessness and servitude. Why else are we in business? Why else are we living if not to form connections and help other people along the way? Amen, sister. Folks, you're at the end of the show. And, um, you know, as you heard, there's a lot to be thought about when you're thinking about branding. It's another one of those kind of kitschy words that's thrown out there and everybody talks about my brand. But now you know that you've come to the end of the show truly what it takes, and this is just the beginning, like what it takes to actually consider, you know, what your intention is with the brand and the power of what your brand should be if you allow it to be. And, you know, oftentimes, and, and, and you, you guys hear me say this all the time, I always say that for every aspect of my life, at least for the last 20 years, I have had some sort of a mentor, consultant, coach, expert, be a part of every single aspect and every layer of how I function as a human. And you've also heard me say that I like who I am. I really like who I am because I've done the work to figure out those pieces that didn't serve me. I have done the work to figure out, you know, what it is that I bring to the table. And I'm still figuring this out just as you are. And there is no better way to kind of decipher that it, and, and it's, you know, then to allow someone else to get inside of your head, your heart, your mind, your body, your soul. And I feel that branding is that important for you. Kate, you are an absolute, absolute sweetheart. Every single thing that you've said really resonated with my spirit. And you notice I hardly ever stepped in to talk to you because, you know, I was taking it all in. Like, mm -hmm. I, you know, here I am. I have been helping people with their brands in different capacities for the last almost 20 years from a media promotions side, because that's kind of my wheelhouse. And, and there's so much that you've kind of opened my mind to where I think to myself, I need to hire you. Like I need to, I, I need to get out of my way and let someone like you in that can kind of truly maybe help me go to the next level. And folks, this is what I'm saying. I'm very transparent. You guys know how I think. I always put it out there and I'm putting it out there. If you think that you don't need to work on your brand every single day, I hope that this hour with Kate has really changed your mind on that. It's really important to sit with. And I really hope that you enjoyed this show. This has just been like, phew, mind-blowing for me. Kate, you are 
absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for joining and, and for serving. You are your brand. Here you are serving people with so much you know, valuable insights and knowledge, and it kind of begs so many other questions, which, <laughs> I, which I will pick your brain on. But for now, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a thank you. pleasure. Thank you, Raj, and thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be with all of you. It really is something that is so near and dear to my heart. And please, please link in with me because I love to see how all these brands progress and how you are getting uh, your word and your work out into the world. Thank you so much for staying till the end, guys. I really hope you enjoyed the show and will action the many insights that were shared. If any of you doubt the power of leveraging brand strategy in business, I hope Kate and I were able to swing you over to our side. If you don't know where to start, I would love for you to contact Kate on LinkedIn or at the brandwisemedia.com website or even hit me up at Consult with Raj Gurn at the OpenChessConfidenceAcademy.com. So either of us can steer you in the right direction. If you found the show to be helpful, I'm so glad. I would love your support by subscribing to this podcast on your Apple and Android platform search the Transform Your Confidence Show our YouTube channel at the Open Chess Confidence Academy. And if you're an avid reader like I am, we've also transcribed every podcast into a blog, which you can access at theopenchessconfidenceacademy.com forward slash media forward slash hour dash media. And also please hop over to our private Facebook group at Transform Your Confidence, where there are networking opportunities as well as knowledge and resources about mindset, media, communications, branding, marketing, leadership, and advocacy for busy executives and entrepreneurs who are seeking to elevate the quality of their life. And as always, thank you for tuning in. And I look forward to seeing you in our next episode. And until then, take care of yourself. Thank you so much for staying till the end. I really hope you enjoyed the show. Before you leave, I would love for your support by subscribing to my show and letting everyone you know know about it and have them come take a listen. I would sincerely appreciate you joining me at LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. Search Raj Gurn and the Open Chess Confidence Academy. Until next week, I hope you continue to cultivate your own ecosystem so that everyone in and around it is empowered by your mission to elevate them all. See you next week.